Well, Gonzaga is looking for somebody to replace Alex Tui on the roster, and they found a target in Marcus Adams Jr., a four-star prospect who just decommitted from Kansas. Could Mark Few land an elite developmental piece? You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. We got a pair of former Zags who are set to represent Team Canada potentially in the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris. We're going to cover that as well as go over my three bold predictions from last season. Two of them we're going to laugh about as we always do on Bold Predictions, but one of them I actually got right, so stick around to hear what that was. But first, we got to talk about another rumored addition for Gonzaga. Mark Few and the staff have been busy, busy, busy. The last few weeks, we've heard so many rumors about Paul Mulcahy, about Joe Toussaint, about Jeremiah Williams. Of course, the recent rumors heating up are about Jose Perez out of West Virginia. But amidst all of that... The Zags also lost a player in Alex Tui. We covered that. The Australian who decided to stay in Australia, play professionally rather than coming to Spokane. And it created a situation where Gonzaga went from having two open scholarship spots to three. And we know they're going to fill at the very least one of those spots, but it seems likely they could fill two of them and might look to fill one of those spots with somebody who maybe wouldn't necessarily be a member of the rotation For next year, the Zags pretty much have six or seven spots in that rotation locked down for next year. If they add Jose Perez, that's probably your full rotation. So how do you fill those roster spots without, you know, by adding players who aren't necessarily going to play next year? That's a difficult task to do. But the Zags found a target that may work in that situation, perhaps. And that would be Marcus Adams Jr. Marcus Adams Jr. is a six foot eight forward from Harbor City, California, initially a member of the 2024 recruiting class and a player who kind of shot up mock or mock draft, shot up boards, shot up uh, lists for, for the class. He had a really, really strong season last year. He did not have any high major offers before the start of the 2023 calendar year. And then he picked up or excuse me, he had four before the start of before January 23rd in 2023 he had four high major offers from January 23rd until March he picked up nine and that includes Kansas that includes Syracuse that includes UCLA he took visits official visits at all three of those schools ultimately decided to commit to Kansas on March 7th right before the start of the of the NCAA tournament uh, and then he reclassified to the class of 2023 and got set to join the Jayhawks this year So we're talking about a player who is very young, a player who is, you know, should in theory still be in high school, similar to the Ben Gregg situation. Of course, Ben showed up to Gonzaga half semester early, not because of a reclassification specifically, but because of COVID rules allowed him to do so. Uh, His season got uh, bagged. He ended up graduating early, joined the team a little earlier. But for for Marcus Adams Jr., he's just a straight reclassification, decided he wanted to start college a year sooner, got his uh, high school education taken care of ahead of time, and is now available to do so. However, on Sunday, he announced that he is decommitting from Kansas and is looking to find his new home. 
he said all the, you know, thank you to Bill Self. Thank you to everybody who recruited me. Thank you to the Jayhawks fans. I'm just looking for uh, an opportunity that, that I think will be better suited for me. This is a tough decision, et cetera, et cetera. Right now, 24-7 Sports has him ranked 48th nationally in the class of 2023. So he is a similar prospect in that recruiting class to Dusty Stromer, who is generally in the 40 to 50 range as well. So that's kind of the general look at Marcus Adams, a very high-level athlete, had a 50-point, 20-rebound game in high school at one point. Some of the knocks on him were that he didn't play against particularly elite competition in high school, and there's a lot of rawness to his game. So again, he kind of fits the mold of a developmental piece. Now, Gonzaga is far from the only school who's interested. I'm reading a tweet here from Joe Joe Tipton of Tipton Edits of On3, and he listed all of the schools that have contacted Marcus Adams so far. This tweet came out merely hours before this podcast was recorded and released, so this is up-to-date information. The schools that have contacted Marcus Adams so far, Gonzaga is among them, as well as West Virginia, BYU, Oregon, Binghampton, Missouri, San Diego, Boston College, Mississippi State, and UC Santa Barbara. So the first impressions here of that list is that Gonzaga's in a pretty good spot. Uh, of course, this depends on what Marcus, Marcus Adams Jr. wants. I think it is possible that the reason he decided to decommit from Kansas is because he did not see immediate playing time available for him. I would caution players who reclassify and are going to be very, very young incoming freshmen to not necessarily expect immediate playing time. But a lot of times players who choose to reclassify, that is the reason that they are doing so is so that they can play right away. There are schools on this list that are going to be able to offer a top 50 recruit with his kind of athleticism and overall skills, more immediate playing time, whether he is ready for it or not, I guess. Gonzaga would not be in that camp. I don't think Gonzaga is going to add a player like Marcus Adams Jr. with the expectation that he is in their rotation next season. I don't really see that being the case. They would add him and they would sell him on the prospect of developing in the system the way that so many other players have. The way that Corey Kispert did, the way that Julian Strother did, the way that Adam Morrison did, if you want to throw it way back. We're just talking about six foot eight forwards specifically because that is who Marcus Adams Jr. is, the way that Rui Hachimura did. Like this is... Gonzaga has developed this type of player over the course of multiple years and turned them into NBA players regularly. I mean, it happens pretty often for Gonzaga. So that is the sales pitch. Whether that's the sales pitch Marcus Adams Jr. wants to hear is not something I am, I am, no, I don't know. I don't know where he is at with that. Again, two hours ago, as I'm recording this on Tuesday morning, is when we found out that Gonzaga contacted Marcus Adams Jr. So I don't know what the pitch is. I don't necessarily know what Adams is looking for. If he wants to be inserted into a starting lineup and play right away, Santa Barbara, Boston College could probably offer him that, San Diego. They could offer him that. They've lost a ton of talent for Steve Lavin. Uh, West Virginia, I don't think he starts right away for the Mountaineers, but boy, howdy, have they lost a lot of talent uh, in this whole Bob Huggins saga, so there's potentially some room for him there. BYU, I don't know if he starts there either, but he would probably be more likely to play a consistent role. And so if you're BYU, if you're West Virginia, or even Oregon, who might be able to offer more, more playing time, and you say, hey, you can play right away in a high major versus you go to Gonzaga and you don't get to play right away, That's going to be the trick. The trick for Gonzaga is figuring out how to convince him to come to their program if they're not necessarily going to play him right away. Because that's the role that I envisioned for him were he to come to Spokane. He kind of fills the Alex Tui role. For those of you who are longtime listeners, for those of you who are everyday listeners, shout out to you. 
you know that we talked about how Alex Dewey, in my mind, was likely to redshirt last next year. I'm not convinced that he was going to redshirt, but I think that that is the likeliest outcome for him had he stuck with the program. I don't think Marcus Adams Jr. will come to a school where he has to redshirt because if he wanted to redshirt, he wouldn't have reclassified. He's not going to come all the way up to the class of 2023 to then sit out a year. Maybe he will. Maybe he's having a change of heart. Maybe he feels like that's a better option for him. I don't know. But it seems a little bit less likely to happen considering what we know about him up to this point. But reading those scouting reports on Marcus Adams, rawness, upside, those are the key things that we've heard about him. 24-7 Sports' report all about Marcus Adams Jr. basically just talked about his upside and how, how he has, it's really tantalizing, but it's not there yet. I just want to read this quote again. This is from Eric Bossy at 24-7 Sports. He says, quote, he plays with confidence, has a big personality, and is also obsessed with proving that he is not only deserving of the lofty ranking he earned during the season, but worthy of an even higher ranking. So this is a really uh, tenacious dude, a big personality. He's got a lot of enthusiasm, and he's got a chip on his shoulder. There's a lot of things about that that really fit at Gonzaga. Like you can see the appeal. Gonzaga's had players like this in the past. They've had guys who've proven the rankings wrong. The development at Gonzaga is top tier, but we also know that player development is a part of college basketball that is kind of dwindling. Players are not often patient enough to wait for that development to occur. And Gonzaga has reached out to players and brought them in with the hope of developing them over time and have had it not work out. Alex Tui is an example of that. Efton Reed is an example of that. As a guy who came in with the expectation of, hey, I'm not going to play a ton because I'm going to be behind Drew Timmy. I'm going to be behind Anton Watson. He ends up getting passed by Ben Gregg and decides he doesn't want to wait it out. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying that's what happened in that circumstance. Hunter Salas, you know, there's a big argument that he should have played more last year. I was in that camp, as many of you know, uh, but he left because before he got that chance to fully blossom. I think he's going to blossom at Wake Forest, and we'll actually talk about him more later in the show, but it's hard to convince a player to come to your program when you know that they're not going to necessarily when they ha- they're going to have to sit out or sit for a long period of time before they end up playing. If Gonzaga can convince Marcus Adams Jr. that that is the route, then he would be an incredible addition. The kind of upside that he has and the kind of development that he could do playing behind Anton Watson, playing behind June Sakio, playing behind Steel Venters, like he could grow into an elite athlete, an elite player in this program. If he's willing to A, come to Gonzaga in the first place and B, still be here after a year, after two years, potentially. It's a big risk. It's a big ask. Not really a big risk. If he comes and he stays for a year and then he leaves, that sucks. But, you know, it's not it's not killer for Gonzaga necessarily. It's worth taking that risk. You just don't know if it's going to pan out for a couple of years. Also, I think that Gonzaga could add both Marcus Adams Jr. and Jose Perez and call it an offseason. Perez fills the Malachi Smith role. Marcus Adams fills the Alex Tui role. Bing, bang, boom. Mark Few can relax. You're done for the offseason. You got one scholarship left. You hold on to it. You leave it blank. Maybe you toss it to Colby Brooks in the second semester and you call it good. That is a dream scenario for how the rest of this offseason could go for Gonzaga, but it is a plausible one at this point here in the third week of July. Well, before last season, about August last year, I made three Very, very bold predictions, two that we can laugh about now, and one that actually came true. More on all of that after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting on MLB 
on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets. That's up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under on runs scored to who you think is going to hit the first home run in the game. All of that bet on an app that is safe, it is secure, and it is super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There is no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zach your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners. I appreciate each and every single one of you. we got more fantastic stuff coming your way later on the Locked On Zags podcast this week. Back-to-back guests. We're going to be talking Summer League. We're going to be talking WCC hoops. It's going to be a lot of fun stuff. We'll, of course, continue to keep you updated on what the heck Gonzaga might do with these final three roster spots as we continue to see more options creeping up in the transfer portal. For now, though, want to move on. Want to talk about three bold predictions I made ahead of last season and whether they came true or not. And we're going to start with the one that did come true, the one that I actually got right, because the other two are fun to laugh at. But let's let's start on a high note, and we'll kind of come down a little bit after that. I wanted to acknowledge that when I make bold predictions, my goal is to not my goal is not necessarily to get them correct. I'm happy that I did in this case, but uh, bold predictions are supposed to be bold, and they're supposed to be very unlikely to come true. And that's the way I treated these two. They were a little bit extra spicy, or these three extra spicy uh, in terms of the boldness. But the first one ended up happening on a sleepy winter day in Portland, Oregon in mid-January. And my prediction was that Julian Strother is going to go score 40 or more points in a game last season. And he did against the Portland Pilots. Again, at the Child Center in January, Julian Strother went absolutely nuts against Shantae Leggins' squad. 40 points, 8 of 12 shooting from deep, 14 of 21 for the game in general. I was at this game. A buddy of mine came down from Seattle. We went out to the game and, and had a chance to, to watch uh, the Zags in person. One of the few times I got to see him last year. And man, it was a blast. I mean, what an incredible performance from Julian. And I remember talking about this in the bold prediction segment and kind of saying, look, he's an outside shooter, which always helps in terms of getting to 40 points. You know, Drew Timmy is a fantastic elite score and he had 37 points in the game. He had 35 points in a couple of games. Like he could have gotten to 40. He never did, but he could have, he could have, but it's always easier to get there if you're a three point shooter. And for Julian, 24 of his 40 points came from the three point line. That was how he managed to get it done. Portland could not find him on the perimeter. He had 12, 12 three point attempts, knocked him down at a, a really high 75% clip. It was an extraordinary performance for him. The first player to score 40 points in a game for Gonzaga since Kyle Wilcher back in 2015. I believe that it was Adam Morrison, of course, has done it before as well for the Zags. So it's kind of a bold prediction to say somebody's going to hit 40 for the first time in eight years. Uh, but Julian Strother managed to find a way to get it done. I was really happy. I'd kind of forgotten that I made this prediction. I actually had a, a longtime listener message me on Twitter after the game and said, hey, you got your bold prediction right. And I was like, what What are you talking about? I was like, oh, that's right. So I was really happy to see that end up happening. And, and I'm going to brag about it a little bit because these next two did not even come close to coming correct. Um, we're going to talk about why that was and what it might mean for the team going forward. The next prediction I made, again, in August of last year before uh, the 2022-23 college basketball season was that Braden Huff is going to play more minutes than Ben Gregg and Caden Perry combined 
And I was off on this prediction by 428 minutes, which is the exact number of minutes, of course, that Ben Gregg played last season because Caden Perry and Braden Huff combined to play zero minutes last year for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Perry, of course, de dealing with uh, more injury issues. He's had significant back and ankle issues since he got to Gonzaga. He's only played eight games in the last three years for the Bulldogs. Very unfortunate to continue to see Caden not be able to get onto the court. The expectation right now is that he is healthy. We've been seeing some videos from the Gonzaga Instagram account. Uh, we've seen some reports from him, and it sounds like he's healthy. It looks like he's healthy in the videos. He's running around. He's dunking. He's moving. Uh, hopefully, that is a situation for him. I would love nothing more than for Caden Perry to, to bounce back and get to be a part of Gonzaga's actual playing time rotation next year. I don't think he's going to be a, a big-time player necessarily next year. I don't see him in an eight or even a nine-man rotation. He might kind of be that ninth man at this point, but just getting to see him on the basketball floor is something that I'm really excited about. However, he's going to compete with Braden Huff for minutes next year. Both those guys are kind of the, the on the outside looking in of the rotation, at least as I see it right now. And both those guys, you know, didn't play last year and they both are very different skill sets, which is what makes the competition kind of interesting to me. Huff's more of a stretch four, uh, more, expected to kind of be more of the Ben Gregg type of player. Whereas Caden Perry has always drawn comparisons to Brandon Clark. I think a Brandon Clark light is a, is a better way to put it. I don't know if he's going to reach those lofty expectations, especially after dealing with all of the injuries, but he's really bouncy. He's a really good low post score. He doesn't, doesn't really stretch the floor much, but a really high level finisher around the rim, good shot blocker, a tough physical kid. And I think uh it was unfortunate that we didn't get to see either of them last year. I understand, of course, why Braden Huff redshirted. They didn't have minutes to go around for him. Certainly, uh, if Caden Perry was healthy enough to play, I think he would have gotten some playing time, but he was not and was unable to do so. And I think the main thing that this prediction reminds us is how surprising Ben Gregg's breakout was. It was bold to predict that Huff would play more than Ben and Perry combined, but we didn't know that Ben Gregg was going to do this going into the season. It looked like he was kind of on the outs of playing time as well. All three of these guys were kind of lumped together. Now we don't lump these three guys together anymore. We can lump Huff and Perry together as bigs on the roster who didn't play last year, but Ben Gregg played a valuable role. He looks like a guy who's going to compete for a starting spot next year. I'm not sure he'll get it, but it's between Anton Watson, uh, Graham, EK, Ben Gregg, I think are competing for two spots. And Ben is in that conversation. I mean, without a doubt in that conversation, there's possibility they could try to play some three big lineups, depending on how confident they feel about Watson or Greg playing a little bit further away from the rim. But that's not a conversation we're having with these other two guys. Ben has separated himself from this group in a significant way. And that's notable going into this season that this is not the kind of conversation we would have again. Again, we're talking about Ben Greg as a potential starter and at minimum, a very key contributor. Ben played over 400 minutes last year. He's going to play that or more this upcoming season, almost certainly, almost certainly, probably over 500 minutes, 20 to 23, 25 minutes per game seems very plausible. Whereas with Huff and Perry, we'll talk more about them in future episodes, more about them as we get closer to the season, but neither of their roles are at all defined heading into next season. So these are three players who have gone, two have kind of stayed in the same direction. One has gone in a radically different direction uh, in the last 11 months or so uh, with Gonzaga. Finally, third and final bold prediction. This one's going to make people a little bit sad. Hunter Salas is a lottery pick in the 2023 NBA draft. 
I actually called this my least bold prediction, which I think is funny in retrospect, um, because the Julian Strother one probably seemed like the most bold at the time, but that doesn't look nearly as bold now, of course, because it ended up happening. But for Salas, I mentioned that I thought he was going to come off the bench that I thought that Rasir Bolton and Nolan Hickman were probably going to start. I mentioned I thought Malachi Smith would deserve to start as well, uh, and that Hunter Salas would compete to play a big role coming off the bench and could be a Zach Collins-type lottery pick as a bench player for Gonzaga. Well, he did come off the bench, and he did play a decent role, although as previously mentioned and mentioned hundreds of times during the regular season last year, I thought Hunter Salas deserved to play more minutes. I thought his on-ball defense was such a weapon for Gonzaga on a team that didn't have a lot of good defensive players that, yes, the foul troubles were an issue and did prevent him from playing more minutes at times. And, yes, his offensive game was inconsistent, I guess is the best way to put it. Very good at putting his head down and attacking the rim. Very good free throw shooter. Not a great three-point shooter. 27 or so percent last year. A little bit inconsistent there. I thought he made more things happen with the ball in his hands. And I thought he deserved more of an opportunity to play. But at no point last year did Hunter Salas truly look like a lottery pick. Had he declared for the NBA draft and done really well in combine scrimmages and testing, which I think is possible, he's an elite athlete, I think there's a chance he could have gotten drafted, even after having a relatively nondescript season at Gonzaga. But instead he goes to Wake Forest, where he will play big minutes, for an ACC team and a coach in Steve Forbes who has turned transfer guards into all ACC performers regularly. Jake LaRavia did it. He's in the NBA now with the Memphis Grizzlies. They've had a couple other guys who have done it as well. Hunter Salas seems like he's next in line to be that guy, which leads me to my next point. Could this prediction have just been a year off? Could Hunter Salas explode next year for Wake Forest, average 15, 18 points per game, play elite level defense, and be a lottery pick. If so, how is the Gonzaga fan base going to feel? We'll talk about that were it to happen, of course, but I think it's possible. I don't know that it's super likely. I would be another bold prediction to make, at least as a lottery pick. Hunter Salas being drafted eventually out of Wake Forest, frankly, doesn't feel that bold to me. I think it's very possible. In fact, I think it's likely that it'll happen for him at some point. A lottery pick as a junior you have to be really, really good to get into that conversation. Possible, yes, likely, maybe not, but still sad that this prediction didn't come true for Gonzaga and that we don't get to make another prediction about him, at least not in a Gonzaga uniform next season. Well, a pair of Gonzaga legends are on Team Canada's 18-man roster ahead of the FIBA World Cup. Will they both stick around for the Paris Olympics in 2024? More on that coming up right after this. All right, folks, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags. And we'll go through ABCs today. A was Adams, Marcus Adams Jr., who we talked about in the first segment. B was bold for the bold predictions we just talked about in segment two. C is Canada. As we close out the show, talking about the 18 players selected for Canada's men's senior men's national team ahead of the FIBA World Cup, which is taking place between August 25th and September 10th. Canada will hope to qualify out of that event to potentially be a participant in the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris, France. And Kevin Pangos and Kelly Olenek, two of the greatest Zags of all time, teammates for a couple of years in Spokane at the in the early 2010s. They are both on that 18-man roster for 
Team Canada heading into the Olympics. The roster is reportedly composed of players who are committed to play for both the summer and the winter FIBA events and committed to play for the team in Paris in the Olympics should they qualify. So if this Canada squad qualifies to make it to the Olympics, which they are expected to do so, Kelly Olynyk and Kevin Pangos could in theory be Olympians. Very fun story for them, of course. Two of the most iconic Canada basketball players in a long time. And Gonzaga has had this very rich history of Canadian players coming through the program. Rob Sacre is an example. Andrew Nemhart is an example. Brandon Clark technically qualifies to play for Team Canada. He would be an example. Of course, Clark is injured right now. Nemhart either did not get the invitation or chose to uh, not participate in Team Canada at this time. Maybe that will change uh, in the future. Um, but they're going to take on France, they're going to take on Lebanon, they're going to take on Latvia in the initial group phase of the FIBA World Cup. I think they'll do quite well out of that group and should put them in a favorable position to qualify for the Olympics. However, the roster is eventually going to drop from 18 to 12. I have no doubt, zero, zero doubt, that Kelly Olenek will be one of those 12 players participating with Team Canada, I think he's going to be their starting center, and I think he's going to be a huge part of what they do offensively and defensively as a roster uh, throughout the FIBA and the Olympic tournaments. Kevin Pangos, I'm less confident. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to redo the roster, and I'm going to talk about why that makes me a little bit less confident about Kevin Pangos' uh, spot uh, going forward. Here's the entire roster in alphabetical order. Kyle Alexander, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, R.J. Barrett, Trey Bell-Haynes, O'Shea Brissett, used to play for the Indiana Pacers, Dylan Brooks, been in the news a lot lately after uh, his tumultuous time with the Memphis Grizzlies, Lou Dort, another very solid defensive NBA player there, Zach Eady, shout out Zach Eady out of Purdue, getting a chance to, to play for this team, Melvin Ejim, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chad Holmgren's teammate with the Oklahoma City Thunder, Corey Joseph, NBA veteran there, Jamal Murray, just coming off of an NBA championship, of course, with the Denver Nuggets, uh, Kelly Olynyk, Kevin Pangos, of course, Dwight Powell, Cassius Robertson, Phil Scrub, and Thomas Scrub. That is your roster right there. For those of you who are NBA fans or who are very passionate Canada basketball fans or just basketball fans in general, you might have noticed there's a lot of pretty darn good guards on this roster. Jamal Murray is probably your starting point guard. Let's put it this way. Jamal, Milley, Jamal Murray and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I mean, those are two NBA all-stars, two of the best guards in all in the world right now, both on Team Canada's roster. The depth behind Gilgis Alexander and Jamal Murray includes Corey Joseph, an NBA veteran. It includes Nikhil Alexander-Walker, kind of an up-and-down NBA veteran as well. And it includes Lou Dort, who's a, a consistent NBA contributor, more for his defense than his offense, but still a solid NBA guy. All those guys are kind of ones you could kind of argue that, you know, some of those guys could play the two, but they're all guards. And I think they're all ahead of Kevin Pangos on that depth chart, which makes me wonder if they got to cut six guys if Pangos is going to end up making that roster or not. I'm not an expert. I'm not, you know, the coach here. I haven't seen these guys play. Their skill sets are a little bit different. Pangos is more of a pure point guard than a lot of the guys on that list. Maybe that keeps him around, but I'm, again, very confident that Kelly Olenek is not going to get cut. There's almost no chance that that happens. It would be an absolute stunner. Unless he chooses not to participate, Kelly Olenek is going to be with this team until the very end. But I'm less confident about Kevin Pangos. I hope he makes it sincerely, because that would be so fun to see him get that opportunity. I want to watch this team and I want to watch and see a pair of Zags participating because I think that'd be really fun. But right now, I think it's, he's probably right on the borderline. So we'll have to see what happens uh, as roster cuts eventually start coming for Team Canada. 
All right, that's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Always fun getting a chance to talk about pro Zags, getting a chance to talk about guys who were in the program a long time ago and what they're up to these days, especially when it involves the Olympics. I check back later this week. We got a ton of fun stuff coming your way. We got a summer league wrap up coming your way with somebody who was in the building and watched these guys play. We got some fun WCC conversation coming your way as well. And of course, continue to keep you up to date on what is happening with those open roster spots for the Zags. What's going on with Jose Perez? What's going on with Marcus Adams Jr.? Anybody else that the Zags may or may not choose to get involved with from a recruiting perspective. Again, Locked on Zags available wherever you get your podcast. Go check us out on YouTube if you have not done so yet. Also find us on Discord. We've got the Locked on Zags Discord channel. There's a link posted in the show notes chatting up there every single day about all the latest stuff happening with the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, as always, go Zags.